What's going on, motherfuckers? It is Picone 36 and I am back after a short hiatus. I appreciate you guys being patient, not giving me too much shit about leaving uh, for a few weeks like I did, kind of spur of the moment. To give you guys a little bit of, uh, of background as far as what happened was, um, I had uh, <clears throat> Louisville uh, hoops writer and uh, you know radio guy, insider kind of guy, uh, Brett Siegel on uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we sat down. And we had an awesome conversation. I mean, Brett Brett came to play that day. I uh, had done his research. I gave him some topics, and he absolutely killed it on the show. <clears throat> we recorded on a Friday night, um, late in the evening. And, uh, you know, I went to save the episode, save the project on audacity and something happened. Um, the wavelengths or the something, I don't know the technical terms for it got mixed up and like, there was like a a baseline of him talking. And then there was a lag where he was also talking again over himself. It was really strange. It it happened for a couple minutes early on. It happened for another couple minutes later on and about three times over the course of the interview, for whatever reason, the audio just got screwed up on me. And, uh, so I had to scrap that interview. Um, I'll be having Brett on again at some point. Uh, he did agree to, uh, to come back on with me and I appreciate that from him. Uh, so what I chose to do was, well, what I chose to do was, take apart the whole system. I went out, I bought another laptop, um, installed Audacity again, uh, installed some other software, um, kind of tore down the soundboard a little bit, reinstalled the mics and and did everything I could to just kind of start fresh. And, you know, this was, this today's interview was, you know, the first one with the new setup and everything seemed to go fine. Uh, the other thing that happened was the day after Brett's interview, um, I was actually uh, put in a situation where I had to say goodbye to Tucker the dog, who is uh, no longer with us. Um, he was uh, still just a pup, less than three years old. Uh, I don't have any kids, and Tucker has been with me the last two and a half years, roughly. And, uh, you know, that one hit me kind of hard, and I, I did you know, what I typically do and crawled inside a bourbon bottle for a few days. And, you know, and, uh, it's been rough. It's been a rough couple of weeks, but, uh, I've kind of come out the other side of it and it's time to get back on that horse. And, uh, today's, today's, uh, podcast, I wanted to come back. I wanted to bring a, a solid guest, uh, a guy who won't pull any punches. And, and that is Will Ogenin, uh, with ACC nation. And, he said that, that he was he was game for whatever, so I uh, I put a list of topics that I thought were interesting, and he didn't bat an eye, and we had a great conversation. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Will's World MN, and uh, check him out at ACC Nation. He also has a podcast which he announced on this on this program. Um, he's uh, he's quite the character. I think he's funnier than hell, and he puts out some great content. So uh, without further ado, here is uh, Will Ogenin.
through the black and white and the in between all the miles of war, the wars are fought and all I've seen. Will, how's it going, man? Hey, good. How are you? Not bad. I appreciate you joining me. Not a problem. Glad to be here. We are uh, we're live and rolling, and I'm picking you up pretty well. Coming through loud and clear. Um, good. For those of you, or for those of those people that listen to me that may not be familiar, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm uh, right for ACCNation.net. We've been around. Well, this is actually the second incarnation of the the site. We've been around. The first time we were around till about 2009, I want to say. Then uh, after that, I uh, wrote for John Pence's site, SCACCHoops.com, for a number of years, John being the uh, guru of the game sim. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote for his website for a number of years. And then a few years ago, um, ACC Nation came back, and I decided to uh, jump back on and uh, do their do – their, come back and do their, their writing for them. Um, we do we do podcasts generally on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. um, we are – our stuff, we go, you know, a lot of football and basketball. We'll touch on the non-revenue sports. Um, we try to give you as much information on the ACC as possible. Um, we're, you know, we, there's three of us. Um, the main guy, Jim, who's in Richmond. Another guy named Xavion, who's in Washington, D.C. And me, the uh, oddball of the group all the way out <laughs> here in the in the Twin Cities suburbs. <laughs> uh, how's, the, uh, how's the weather treating you up there right now? Um. It's uh, we actually last week was the second time this summer or since uh, Memorial Day we've we've reached a hundred degrees. Yeah, I got a buddy up in Maine that said it was a hundred degrees up there today or the other day as well. It was one hundred and seven in Carolina today, so Oof. it's brutal, man, brutal. Um, <clears throat> so you know this is uh, this is the first show I've done in a couple of weeks. I wanted to come back with uh, with a little bit of force, and uh, you were you were pretty vocal about uh you know some no holds barred content so i tried to come up with some good topics for us um right. one of the one of the first ones i wanted to talk about and it's something i've seen it's been more prevalent in the past probably 18 months or so and it's what i refer to as the duke hashtag brotherhood bullshit and it seems like every time um, i see a recruit uh commit to duke the the hashtag brotherhood uh, appears on Twitter, and lately there have been <clears throat> some things that have that have come out of the Duke camp uh, regarding some players that maybe um, weren't accepted into that brotherhood quite as uh, as openly as they would have liked. Uh, first one being Semi Ojale uh, came out and spoke about his time there before he went to SMU. Uh, Jordan Tucker was a recruit that that went to Duke. It was his dream school and was promised the world, and he transferred out four months later. Um, Wendell Carter Jr.'s mother just came out and said that they were kind of misled as far as the recruitment of Marvin Bagley and what it meant for, for Carter. And then, uh, you know, uh, Trevon Duval was obviously not ready to go to the NBA and nothing was ever said to keep him in Durham to maybe develop his game. What's your thoughts on Duke and how they're, how they're kind of treating their players and their development situation? Well, first, I think of a brotherhood as a group of guys who have been, you know, together. Like, for example, like if you're part of like a small school's recruiting class, you know, you maybe develop through a program together for like a span of, you know, three, four years. Mm -hmm. Not and and this is this is like three, four months, and they basically are are never play for the same team again. Right. <laughs> but I mean, 
there i understand you know most of their their grievances you know especially you know wendell carter's situation you know it's are you are you gonna is coach k gonna sit there and say no i'm not gonna take the number one player in the country to i mean i i understand where wendell carter might feel slighted he's number seven pick in the draft yeah exactly (laughs) he's still a lottery pick and and might be a better all-around player than uh, yeah. than Bagley is. The big difference is Carter actually plays defense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, there it, it's really really is shows just how seedy the recruiting game is mm-hmm. in, in reality. And yeah, Ojale never got a shot. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna. I don't know exactly why, but his the reality is, you know, you're. You're you're basically good enough until somebody better comes along. It's mm-hmm. kind of along the lines of a, a song by Marilyn Manson on, on his uh, Mechanical Animals album. It's basically I'm not in love, <laughs> but I'm gonna bleep you till somebody better comes along. That's and that's, right. <laughs> that's basically my my thoughts on recruiting in general. Yeah, I uh, you know we, obviously we know how good Ojale was, right? I mean, he went on to become. Um, the American Conference Player of the Year, I believe, when he was, was at, at SMU. SMU, right? At yeah. SMU. Yeah, he was a um, great player there. He's, he's, on, he's in the NBA. He's on the Celtics right now. I mean, he's a really good player. And for whatever reason, it just never panned out. Um, something that – and you talk about seediness with recruiting. Jordan Tucker was basically down to two ACC schools, Syracuse and Georgia Tech. It's widely uh, thought that he was going to commit to Syracuse. And when um, the, the Knox kid – uh, spurned uh, Duke for Kentucky. You know, Tucker becomes option B, and you know they sell him on this brotherhood crap, and he goes there and they recruit over him, and now he instead of going to the, one of the two ACC schools that he probably should have ended up in, now he can't transfer within the conference and he ends up at Butler. Which nothing against Butler, but you know Coach K maybe playing some games there by preventing uh, some some roster development for two other ACC mm-hmm. programs. I mean, yeah, well, that rule, well, that rule is ridiculous, anyways. That you couldn't transfer in between conferences, but I'm hoping that that gets gets uh, taken care of soon. But I mean, another thing to go back to uh, Duval for a second, you know, this is it's really the downside to going to these one and done factories. Whether you're ready or not, you get kicked out of the door. Um, yeah, I mean, Trey Jones to- is going to start over him regardless. Yep. Shout out to uh, a Minnesota high school basketball <laughs> player right there, Trey Jones. By the way, you'd be surprised how 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 often like, Trey Trey Jones and uh, Tyus um, they they went to high school next town over from me in, in Apple Valley. Nice. We talk about another ACC player from uh, from Minnesota, <clears throat> Stephon Mitchell, of Boston College. Yeah, he's, he well, went to I think he went to high school somewhere else, but he's from Shakopee, Minnesota, which is like twenty minutes down the road from me. And people don't realize that Minnesota is a great basketball uh, state. Yeah. I mean, you think of Minnesota as nothing but hockey. And trust me, we could we sell out the state high school hockey tournament every year. <laughs> but we we have a lot of really good basketball players here. Mitchell, Mitchell was a kid that uh, when I saw him play last year, I thought that maybe he was an upperclassman that I just hadn't mm-hmm. paid much attention to. And I was stunned to to see that he was actually a freshman playing that well last year. It was a kid mm-hmm. that I, I knew absolutely nothing about going into the season, yeah. and he he, he rebounds, he rebounds like a, like a yeah. he rebounds like a junior senior right now. Yeah. Yeah. But once he once he get once he works on his shooting a little bit, he's going to be a definite force. Absolutely, absolutely. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a big time player this year. I look for him to mm-hmm. make big strides this year. So. Getting out of Durham for a minute, uh, we'll go about ten miles down the road to Chapel Hill. 
what are your thoughts on UNC's potential this year? Well, you, you can, certainly can't rule them out as a, a, a contender to win the ACC. And you get Luke Maybach, who will probably be you know preseason player of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Cam Johnson back for his senior season. You know, he's going to be a steady, solid player. You talk, they've got the, the great recruiting class and the Sear Little, whose dad you had, you've had mm-hmm. on in the past. Mm-hmm. Kobe, Kobe White, another highly touted kid. They have, they have the pieces there. What I guess what I who I guess I want to know who who else will step up for that team because they lost so many you know strong players from their you know from recent. You talk about Theo Pence and mm-hmm. Joel Berry who who were true four year players in that program and really helped that program along for, you know through that through their you know last four years. But they're not there anymore. So who who's going to be the next guy to step up? Maybe the the third wheel per se in this in this. I think uh, it's got to be Kenny Williams, four- right? Yeah, he's definitely you know you know a senior, somebody who you know he hasn't he hasn't been a name you really think of when you think of UNC, but you talk about Kenny Williams. Yeah, he's 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 definitely one of the players you you look at. He's you know he's been a he's been around for, you know for four years, and when he calls when his name is called, he's been a solid player. You know. Yeah, hit, uh, watching him shoot the ball sometimes last year was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think that he's probably the key. I think, you know, I really like Kobe White, but when you have a freshman point guard who's probably going to start from day one, who has a, you know, a, a, a reputation for scoring the ball, um, you know, as a freshman, that's a, that's a tall order just to become a scorer in the mm-hmm. ACC, to lead a team in the ACC. So I think guys like Luke May, obviously, uh, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams are going to be huge. And then you got a guy like Nasir Little who can really do it all and play all over the court. Um, I, this team, I think, has has high upside for me. You know, I, I think it's a Final Four team. I think they're probably the best team in the conference. And uh, I think Little's probably going to be the conference player of the or the conference uh, rookie of the year, and I think Luke May's, like you said, going to be the conference player of the year, at least in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you look, you talk about Kenny Williams. You know, he, his shooting percentage improved so much over his first yeah. two seasons. It was you know forty eight percent shooter last year. <laughs> improved his three point shooting, shot forty percent there. You know, he's you know he keeps that trajectory up. I, I think he could be a, a definite force. Um. So. Going to, uh, I'm not going to say the bottom of the pile, but let's say mid-tier. You brought up Stephen Mitchell in Boston College. Um, Jim Christian was was uh, you know given a, a vote of confidence earlier in the offseason. He'd be brought back as Boston College's coach. Uh, just broke the other day that Dan Radakovich and Brad Brunel are working on an extension to keep Brownell at Clemson. If you had to choose between those two coaches, who would you go with? Neither. Um, I guess if if you force me to choose one, I'll take Brownell. Not that I don't know. I don't like either one. The reason I look at, I mean, Brownell's at least done a little more than uh, through his career than Christian has. You look at you know Christian's career. If this was the MAC basketball report, he'd be an elite level coach. You get (laughs) step out of the MAC, he hasn't done anything. Right. Like what is the BC won seven conference games? They were seven to eleven last year, and the years before, the three years before that, they were six and forty eight. Right, and it includes that zero and eighteen year. And you look, I mean, he didn't have much in fairness. He, you know, his first year he had uh, Olivier Hanlon's last year, but mm-hmm. then, you know, he had you know he didn't have much that that second year when everyone was gone, and he had a freshman Jerome Robinson. We had no idea just how good he sure. was going to become. 
And Brownell's, you know, Brownell, yeah, I figure he he's kind of underachieved. I mean, he they had a pretty good season last year. Definitely exceeded everybody's expectations. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm on the fence about them this year. I'm not I'm not really sure what to expect of them. I, I, they could take another step up, but I also worry that some of that could have been a fluke and they could take another step backwards. Sure. I have no confidence in either one of those, to be perfectly honest with you. I am. I'm, it's no secret to anybody who's listened to more than four or five of these episodes that I'm just not a fan of Brownell. Um, you know, he, he obviously he got he, he got good news at the NBA draft camps this year uh, when Reed and Shelton both decided to come back, and obviously Eli Thomas was going to stay the whole time. Um, I think I would take Christian. Just I, I think I, I think. I guess I would say the upside, the ceiling would be a bit higher with Christian. I think with Brownell, you're going to be just horribly mediocre forever. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really interested to see where Clemson goes. I think this – see, Radakovich is also part of the problem with the, uh, the the Paul Hewitt, Brian Gregory situation at Georgia Tech where they're still paying mm-hmm. both those coaches. And I think this is a situation where Brownell has not recruited well lately. Uh, Mitchell, Reed, Eli Thomas, are all three are transfers from other schools. Um, he has a problem pulling talent out of the high school ranks. And when all these guys leave, presumably after this this coming year, I don't see the horses there. And I think Clemson's going to go in the tank a little bit. And they're going to sign this guy to a long-term extension. And they're going to have a huge buyout. And it's just it's going to be bad news for Clemson. Now, the good news for Clemson is their football program generates so much revenue that it may not hurt that bad, but I think they're putting themselves in a really poor situation for the next four or five years. I wouldn't. I would certainly sign him to ex- to an extension. I and you, what is you know, he's what made two two NCAA tournaments in the yeah. in the years there. That's it. I mean, with what, last six year, or seven yeah. years between them, I think. Yeah, and <clears throat> obviously they made the Sweet Sixteen last year, but. We all know how bonkers that NCAA tournament was. <laughs> yeah, I lost a lot of money on that tournament this year. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, hanging out at the bottom again, I guess, and keeping along uh, Duke Carolina theme, Jeff Capel has made some splashes early on at Pitt, um, signed a couple really good players in McGowan's and Tony. What, what do you think – how fast can he turn that program around and actually return it to, let's say, being respectable? I mean, I'm thinking, what, three years maybe mm-hmm. is probably realistic. I mean, he's already – we already know he, he can recruit. That's mm-hmm. never been a problem with him. And it's a matter of getting it all – getting all, you know, to, to gel on the on the court. And it's not, it's not, I'm not going to say he's been the, he's the greatest developer of talent, but he's he's okay. Yeah. I mean – so we saw what happened at Oklahoma. He obviously got you know Blake Griffin in there, but mm-hmm. he's but then there was always the controversy. Which, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, he had really nothing to do, but he kind of caught. No, it was kind of a rogue got, assistant, I guess, that yeah. had some connections with a banking institution or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And that guy is but, now a scout. I don't think he's ever coached since. So yeah. <laughs> But no, he's you know Capel's already done a lot of a lot of good things for that program. I mean, he's got you know some of the some of the better players from last year, which you know, I was obviously a big a big fan of Jerry Wilson Frame. I thought he was far, probably their best player. Mm-hmm. He's come he's he's coming back. He's getting a lot of he's getting some transfers in. He's got you know some really solid players who who are obviously you got a program as down as Pitt. You can sell playing time, playing time, playing time. That's and, right. 
what do kids want to do more than anything? Play. <laughs> and that, and you're going to get it, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, these guys, some of these freshmen are going to play. Their, you know, the future is now for them. There's no time for development. They're going to – it's on-the-job training for these kids at Pitt right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean – uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a huge Capel fan to say the least, but um, neither am I. But but I think they righted a wrong there, and uh, kudos to the athletic department at Pitt for just you know biting the bullet and and showing Kevin Stallings the door. I mean, that was the wrong hire from, you know, from Jump Street. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest here, Michael. You and I were an improvement over over Stallings. <laughs> you know, I, and I would have come a hell of a lot cheaper than Jeff Capel did yeah. too. So. Um, right. Go ahead. No, that was the same right. I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but, uh, you know, this, the Tony kid, I don't know a whole lot about. I do like the McGowan's kid. I think he's a good point guard. And it's it's also, that's it's another shot at uh, Brad Brownell because McGowan's was basically thought to be going to Clemson. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Capel just swoops in and steals him. And, and Clemson has had a very bad recruiting cycle. They lose out on McGowan's, who they they were thought to lead for. They lose out on Zion Williamson, who they were thought to be in the lead for. And uh, you know, it's just another another thing that I point to when I'm when I'm talking about Brad Brownell and his inability to actually land prep talent. Um, but as far as Capel goes, I don't really like anybody who listens to the ACC network um, during the season. And if you listen to a Jason Capel broadcast. I don't know how you can think that that man knows anything about basketball listening to him talk during the game. It's just, it's, it's completely unlistenable. And I, and now he's an assistant on that team. And I just, it's gotta be family values because it can't be anything to do with basketball in my mind. Um, (laughs) so one team and I got after, uh, I got after Patelis a few weeks ago. Uh, he put out his top 25 and oops. And it does not have North Carolina State in his top 25. So I asked him why he hates North Carolina State, and he didn't have a really good answer for me. And then I started seeing some other top 25s roll out. North Carolina State is, in my mind, crazily absent from all of them. What, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on upside for NC State, and do you think they have a shot to win the ACC? Um, do they have a shot to, to win the ACC? Sure. You know, where things can happen, mm-hmm. you know, the – the new collection of talent can't doesn't play like a team. You know, way you know, UNC they have issues with uh, things getting going. You know, Virginia's bench doesn't develop, and mm-hmm. they're relying too much on on uh, the starters. And but you know, I think realistically, I think next year is the year NC State is a contender. Mm-hmm. I think I like you know they I like some of the pieces they have coming back. Obviously, Markel Johnson. We found out just how much they missed him. When uh, he was gone with his uh, suspension, and they got torn Dorn back, a nice player, and obviously Kevin Keats has done an, uh, an outstanding job of recruiting. I think they have something like thirty-five players on that roster now, between uh, <laughs> the the, the com- between all the commits they have and the transfers and and whatnot. So they got the I know they have the Kalea Jones coming in for net for the the mm-hmm. twenty nineteen season. I know Virginia was in on him, but it, it just ended, ended up not being a good fit in the I think end. But every ACC school was in on him when he decided to drink. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true too. But yeah, they've got a lot of a lot of uh, new new pieces on that team. But yeah, I I thought when uh, they announced you know Keats as a as the new coach, I thought it was an outstanding hire. Yes. Seeing what he had done at Wilmington and 
know, they were great at, at ball handling was Wilmington. And, you know, you could tell just in the last, just in the season, the, from 2017 to 2018, just how much better they were at handling the ball. Yeah. They were at turnover percentage. They were like in the one seventies on Kim Palm and mm-hmm. Godfrey's last season, they were 63rd last year. Yeah. This shows you just, uh, he can, he knows how to, now to, ha- how to, uh, get his teams to do well when it comes to handling the ball. They're obviously a very efficient offense. They have a, I, I think this, I think next year is the year to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that that may be true. I, and Mark L. Johnson as a senior next year um, mm-hmm. is, is as a senior point guard with some shooters. And after that freshman, this freshman class develops a little bit. I might be inclined to agree with you a little bit. I do have a tendency to uh, jump the gun a little bit early on teams. Um, I did it this year with uh, actually a player from Virginia, uh, Jay Huff. I thought he was going to be a monster, yeah. and he ended up rarely ever seeing the floor because he can't play yeah. defense. So that was exactly the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, all, we all know if you, if you can't play D on the pack line, you right. can't play it. Let's be real here. <laughs> and, and since you brought up Virginia, I didn't put this on the, on the topics early on, obviously probably a, a, a rugged off season being the first number one to ever lose to a 16. They lose Devin Hall, um, who was maybe their senior leader, you know, great shooter, great defensive player on the ball. Uh, they lose Isaiah Wilkins, who was defensive player of the year in the ACC. What do you expect from the Cavaliers this year? Well, you mentioning that loss makes me want to like open up like three <laughs> beers and just slam them all at once. <laughs> um, you know what? I actually think they have a, a legit shot to repeat mm-hmm. um, as conference champs this year. And they, you know, you're getting you know um, Hunter back, mm-hmm. Andre Hunter back, who you know who looked to be a lottery pick in some in some instances, but. He's uh, decided to come back probably because he got hurt, you know, missed the the UNBC game. You get, you know, Ty Jerome and Kyle guy back. We've talked about that. You know, I mean, this is, I think, I think uh, if Virginia's best shot at winning the title, it's going to be, you know, a big step forward for Mamadi Diakite. Yes. Uh, he's been kind of waiting in the wings for a couple of years now behind Wilkins. And, you know, he's a better offensive player. He has better range than Wilkins. He doesn't. He doesn't quite have Wilkins intangible. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of my big questions about this Virginia team is you know they don't have basically somebody who's going to be you know the coach the right. on the court coach. I thought Wilkins was that last year, and I, um, they don't. I don't know if they necessarily have that. I mean, they get Jack Salt back, who you know he know what he does. He sets legal screens and gets called for fouls because he looks like <laughs> Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. <laughs> but he's, you know, he is what he is. I mean, his best work is not going to be in the stat sheet. It's all the other stuff. I say, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. My, my biggest questions with them is the bench, you know, Marco Anthony, he did, you know, when he did play, he was all right. Jay Huff, you know, could pretty much shoot it from anywhere on the court as a seven footer. Right. Hasn't learned to play defense yet. And they have all these other, they have some other freshmen, you know, some red shirts and, and true freshmen that'll be vying for some playing time. And who knows, maybe, maybe Braxton key could become eligible. I know there's that's uh, that's out there. Really? Of, uh, I had not heard sick that. Re- yeah. I really, it's been within the last week or two, cause I guess he has a sick relative and they're talking about possibly applying for immediate eligibility for that. But you know, if, if they do, if he does get, you know, uh, get the ability to play this year, I think, uh, That'll be a huge no, that's weapon huge. off the bench. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not counting on it though. Realistically, but mm-hmm. I think. I think. Uh, you know, he'll be great for twenty. If for worst twenty nineteen, when uh, 
you know, they're going to need another player like him. Yeah, I think he's the obvious replacement for Hunter when Hunter goes. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, you speak of the leadership, and I completely agree. For some reason, and I don't know what it is, maybe it's just the way he carries himself, Kyle Guy doesn't strike me as that guy. Like, no, I, no, I think just, it's... It, it just doesn't seem like that's that's in his repertoire, I guess. <clears throat> no, I, it's more, I think Jack Salt's more the leader mm-hmm. of the team. Um, he was actually one of the three captains last year, and I think he'll he'll carry probably some of that being the lone senior on the roster. But you know, I think I think if anybody else is going to you know step up, it it may be Ty Jerome too. But right, your point I, guard makes sense. Yeah, and I, I think he I think he has some of that in him. Yeah, I think so too. He he gets uh, he gets emotional. He gets emotional. He gets pretty geeked up at times on the court. I think uh, I think that's a, that's a solid choice for them. Um, last thing I got, and this is something that I've been harping on for a year and a half now. Danny Manning at Wake Forest. Um, I I gotta think that he's on the hot seat this year. Um, losing Bryant Crawford and losing Darrell Moore obviously can't help. Now he's got a point guard that basically hasn't played in two years. Um, you know he can recruit the shit out of these prep players, but he can't really put a product on the floor. What do your uh, What are your thoughts on how hot Danny Manning's seat is? Well, probably not as hot as it should be, just because he had that signed that con. I don't know what his buyout would be, but I have yeah. that contract extension through what was it twenty twenty four? Yeah. Which he, he let's be real, you and I agree he did not <clears throat> deserve that. He basically got it because he recruited John Collins. Right. I mean, what they make? The, they made the first four, right? And yeah, they, they made the playing game. That and that's all they got. And they, and you know, he's they've been very mediocre at best. And I'll be honest with you, I think they have a legit shot of uh, unseating Pitt in the basement of the league this year. I, w- I would absolutely agree with that. I you know, I don't think Capel's a very good coach, but I think Capel's probably a better coach than Danny Manning. Yeah, I know. I know one thing's for sure: they uh, Pitt will at least win one league game this year <laughs> That's right. yeah against wake forest <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's all i got man was there anything else you wanted to hit on tonight um just want to uh invite uh, anybody listening to uh, follow me on twitter at wills world mn um i you know tweet a lot of acc stuff being uh being here in minnesota i talk about minnesota sports and it's usually bad because if you look at the history of minnesota sports it's not very good <laughs> um so but yeah i would uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on michael and i uh, would love to have you on our podcast yeah that'd be great i'd love to join you guys uh i, I appreciate you guys coming on and i absolutely recommend will's uh Will's Twitter feed for anybody who's looking for some good and amusing uh, anecdotes for sure. So I appreciate you coming, man, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Sounds good, man. All right, have a good night. All right, later, man.